0: InDesign or Photoshop or Illustrator and stuff, that stuff can be taught uh, over time. But what you can't teach is someone how to turn up and really be there as a part of the a part of the business. And it's like not even close. Like I'd much rather much rather take someone low on the skill side of things, but high on the ability to want to learn.
1: Hey friend, welcome back to the Street Cred Podcast, where we take a look into the business side of the streetwear fashion industry. I'm your host, Elijah Delport, director and founder of Wink Films. On today's episode, I had a very valuable conversation with co-founders of brand The Snake Hole, Josh Brown and Josh Meyer. Yes, two different people with the same name and strangely, the same birthday. This episode is for brand owners that already have employees or haven't yet got to that stage. We cover the story of Josh and Josh, and their journey with building the snake hole to a small team. They speak about the steps involved in implementing processes, so that you don't have to jump the gun when it comes to hiring. And keep a keen ear for key advice around sustainable, consistent content creation processes that you can carry out yourself. Yes, DIY. Enjoy the show. Why don't you guys tell us a little, um, just a story about the, your brand, the Snake Hole? Uh, yeah, tell us about that. Go
2: for it. You want to start off? Or? Yeah, I guess we started, hello, uh, many, how many years ago would we have started this? I mean, site?
0: the first, I suppose, whisperings of the Snake Hole's, like being an art gallery, would have been mm. what, To like probably 2012
1: or something. Yeah, there. yeah. So, a good Wow, so it's yeah. about 10 years ago now
2: yeah and i mean before we were a clothing label we were an art gallery and um we both had a background in in fashion and graphic design and illustration um we had a little like um little space out the back of a warehouse in mornington and kind of looked a bit like a shipping container and we used to work out of there and run art shows we'd we'd kind of clean up all of our um, studio, move it into the other part of the warehouse mm. and then run our space as a, an art gallery. And we kind of opened that up for emerging artists around the place and um, anyone who was just, you know, doing some cool stuff and wanted to, you know, have a party and show off their work. So it was pretty uh, low-key at the time and um, we were just kind of doing our thing, running parties and stuff. And, and then – yeah. I think the clothing side of things started up from wanting to do some merch tees for the gallery and they they kind of popped off and there was a lot of a lot of people wanting them and we just kept, you know, building it from like three tees to five and then introducing fleece and then, you know, fast forward to now and, you know, we've got uh, – what, what, like a 30 or 40 piece range four times a year? Yeah. So, um, wow. we've just kind of kept building the business up. Um, we've really been taking it serious over the last five years, but um, yeah, yeah. But
0: before then it was a little bit more ad hoc. Like I said, I think the uh, the space and the name was probably more like seen as um, I don't know, very relaxed and mm. kind of uh, you know, weekends thing. Like Brownie said, we'd have yeah. art shows there, we'd also have like. Bands play there and skate movie premieres and surf movie premieres. So it was really like an event space Mm. and um, we kind of created it that way because we're – I don't know if you're very familiar with like the Mornington Peninsula, are you?
1: Uh, No, I can't say. Look, I'm not not from around you guys, so. No, no, that's –
0: yeah, so the Mornington Peninsula, like if you don't know it, uh, it's very much like a little bit kind of a retirement central. It's not like a young person's district, you would uh-huh. say, or like scene. Mm. So we wanted something refreshing for for the like for our friends in the culture around it. You know, when we were in our early twenties, and um, because the closest thing you would get, you'd have to go get a train to Melbourne or travel, you know, an hour, an hour and a half to Melbourne, and um, there was nothing really like it. So for us, it was mm. all about bringing that culture and that stuff that we really enjoyed, you know, being on like Smith Street or Chapel Street and checking out the shops and art galleries and stuff like that and bringing that down to Mornington in a place where it's traditionally like what we always call like landscape paintings and, you know, a lot of retirement homes and stuff like that. wasn't seen as a place that had that kind of scene to it. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose like we just wanted to like at least, that was the main um, you know, reason for mm. us starting the gallery and the space in the first place.
2: Yeah, it was a big driving force for us and we saw a lot of people, a lot of young people moving away from the peninsula and um, we really wanted to contribute to the culture of the place and, um, you know, just do some cool stuff so that one, there was, you know, th- you know cool things for everyone to do on the weekends but also like... That was where we wanted to be because we grew up surfing and, and skating and stuff, yeah. and uh, and we wanted to s- stick around, so we kind of wanted to build that culture
1: around it as well. So yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that's great. Where it came from. Yeah, cool. So, uh, how how did you guys meet?
2: Well, we start we, we met it. Uh, we both were working in a surf shop, and um, it was yeah. called Peninsula Surf, and. I remember, I still remember, like the, the the first week I started, and the the manager was like, "Oh man, like there's this other guy, Josh, who's just started as well, and like you guys are like identical." and it's it's crazy and like <laughs> she was like giving in this big rap and then like it, we finally met each other and it was kind of like that like you know we, we, we were like we got the same name and then we figured out we had the same birthday as well. Oh, yeah. boy, man. oh yeah, man.
1: Boy,
2: man, it was kind of that like step brothers. Like, did we just become best friends? Kind of. <laughs> That's crazy. Moment. Yeah. 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 So, um, it was quite weird, and we've kind of both followed the same career path over the years as well. Like we've worked in Meant the same to together, and then you know now we're working <laughs> as business partners. So. I was just
0: thinking that story. We thought we were speaking the voices about yeah, the other. We worked in. They used to never really let us work together very often. <laughs> me and Josh. <laughs> um, one of the times, like one of the managers, we were working down in one of the stores. Me and Josh, and like. <laughs> were quote unquote working. <laughs> and uh like right. quite- We went to be there until 5 o'clock and it got to like 2 p.m. And she's like, do you guys just want to knock off for the day and go surfing? And we were just like, oh, yes. (laughs) And we're leaving and we're like high five, and we're just like, oh, man. It's like that was sick. It's like we actually must have like – they must have really liked what we were doing. And then we found out the next day they're like, you two guys were doing absolutely nothing and were so annoying to everyone. So we just sent you home. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Did you get
0: paid for it?
2: yeah no, probably nah, not mate nah,
0: no way <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, We're on pretty thin ice there yeah. when we work together They used yeah. to
2: just send us to like separate parts of the store And we'd <laughs> slowly gravitate back to each other And next minute we were just like, you know, laughing and carrying on and That yeah. is
1: hilarious Oh no, that, that is so funny Yeah, look, we all got a friend like that You just chatterbox
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah Yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: So look, now you guys are working together on um the snake hole. You have a you have a business. What's it like working with your best friend? Mm. Yeah, it's like, well, for us, it's I
0: can see, I don't know, you probably heard that expression like never do like business with family, or like yep. there's saying is very similar to that. <laughs> um, I can definitely see how that can be an issue. And I've always said to like If I'm being dead honest, if I was to start another business, I would certainly never have a a partnership again because I know how lucky I got with this partnership (laughs) because I've seen so no, No, (laughs) no, because I can see how easily, I can see how much like a marriage you need to have like a perfect formula for it to Mm. work and the chances of you finding that are really Mm. low and we just got like, we just hit lightning in a bottle, I Mm. think in terms of our relationship because we're like, uh, where each other lack like the other one is kind of strong if that makes sense yeah yeah um and there's a lot of things he does better than me and vice versa and it works out really well and it's really fortunate it is that way because like you see just knowing out of all the years of that out of the challenges and stuff we've kind of worked through together and still obviously had a like our friendship and then a business partnership it's really hard to maintain those things unless mm. um you have like really strong foundation and stuff. And thankfully that's like what Josh and I have. But mm. um, I know 100% how rare that is to have. And I know why like barely any partnerships ever end up working in the long term um, mm. because it's really hard to find that. But I just know how extremely lucky we we are. But, um, but for I would say it's been smooth sailing yeah, like, like the whole time. We've never, it's
2: been pretty easy for us. Like we've never really had any major issues and, I think it really helps if you've really, like, for advice for anybody who was starting a business, you know, like, you just want to make sure that you've both got that same drive and, um, you know, to yeah. to... To really commit to the business, it's it's such a big investment of your time, and um, that's definitely the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. Like if 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 one of you doesn't have as much drive as the other, it's 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 really hard, and and there will be issues down the track, I suppose. But um, we've never had that issue, luckily, and um, it's been pretty smooth sailing.
0: And plus, yeah, I suppose like we both like absolutely love the business and love the industry. So mm. like having pat, like you can't be um like half pregnant or half in. Because it's just yep. not going to work. It's just going to show, and everything becomes like very transparent the further down the road you get. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very, very thankful to have Josh as a partner. And I know he's doubly thankful to have me. So,
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, you guys are hilarious. No, seriously, <laughs> though, like absolutely meant to be. Like, seriously, same name, same birthday. Yeah. And and just like you like you were saying, you know, you, you make up for each other's weaknesses. You, yes. you, you both find strength in each other's weaknesses. Like that you can't get more perfect than that. So like I don't know what soulmates is, but goodness. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty
0: close, I
2: suppose.
1: Oh man. Yeah, so look, you guys, you've been working in in streetwear and running your fashion brand for nearly um, 10 years, as you said, in one form or another. So I'd say, you know, you probably have a pretty good idea of um, the industry and, and and what it's about by now. Um, so like how would you, like what is streetwear to you guys and how does your brand fit into um that sort of mould or, well, yeah, how would you describe your clothing in within that? Good question. Um, well, for me,
0: um, I suppose when I think of streetwear, I think of like almost like a contemporary or pop culture um, uh, approach to clothing, I suppose. Uh, it's mm. certainly always moving even in the, you know, in the years that we've been involved, the trends and the things that like not not so much trends, but the things that you become more interested in. Uh, that it changes really, really quickly sometimes. And like, you know, you go from really basic like logo prints to, you know, uh full full color uh front prints to um embroidery and you know doing all these different bits and pieces. And a lot of it's um, Partially because you know that's obviously what's like you know around, but also because like as creatives, you just you're always like yearning for something more and wanting to try new applications and new designs and new ideas, and even especially in like the cut and sew program, which is anything that's basically not a hoodie or a tee, so like your pants, jackets, head, uh, that kind of thing. Um, There's always uh, just always something really exciting and something new to try. And to me, that's, I suppose, like what streetwear is. It's never something static. It always seems to be like this moving target, always saying you can do better, new trims, new graphics, new materials, new applications. There's just always something to do like whenever we like release something, you can always look back and go, like, and go, fuck, maybe we could have, like, done this for this or, you know, there's always – it just seems like, um, I don't know, it's never a complete, like, painting or never a complete picture and I think that's what's, like, really exciting about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's –
0: What would you say? Yeah,
1: look, have you got something to add to that?
2: Um, I think you wrapped it up pretty well. Like um (laughs) – For, for us like the the enjoyable thing about it is like um you know well in terms of our approach to our streetwear label is we've always just made stuff that we want to wear and and um and it's like it is it is forever changing like we've changed a lot over the years mm. in terms of like um if we look back at like you know, graphics the first, five years ago first yeah. graphics we did is very different to what we're doing now but um I feel like we've kind of um, we've learnt to kind of move with times and and um, and the trends as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really great tip. Creating something that you would like to wear because that is you know what you know personally, and and if if you are likely to wear it, more than likely others are going to um, you know wear that as well, and and you know that audience better than anyone because because you like to wear that and people with similar interests that come along are also going to um yeah be into that stuff yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. uh no this is great this is great guys but um i just i just want to speak about um the snake hole and sort of uh the business aspect of how it was formed what what does to like to start what does the snake hole mean like how did that name come about
2: um well we named the gallery the snake hole because initially the studio um was like my like my studio i basically uh acquired the nickname brown snake um and yeah because my last name is Brown and apparently at the time I didn't have uh, big shoulders. So I looked a bit like a snake. One of my mates, Brenny. Not anymore, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah, <laughs> yeah. friend of ours, Brenny um, coined that nickname and um, it kind of made sense to, to just, you know, call the studio, the snake hole. And then when Josh and I started running art shows out of there, it just kind of made sense to keep it, keep that name. So, um, and then obviously the, this streetwear label kind of stemmed from there. So it, it made sense just to keep it all, you know, as is.
1: Yeah, no, cool. That, that's a really funny story and, <laughs> and uh, like a great inside joke at the same yeah. time as being something that yeah, 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 yeah
0: exactly. it just... it came from a full inside joke Yeah. and people <laughs> are always like, it's one of the most often asked questions yeah. is like, what's up with the name? What does it mean? it's pretty it's like obscure it's literally it's in such an obscure name it comes from like an inside joke yeah. but it's like what it's become one of those names too where it's like you just it's very hard it's a very difficult name to forget because yeah. it's like so different
1: yeah no 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 it's, it's 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 seriously it's a great name and it's so it's it's almost funny it's like comedic but it works well, it, it looks yeah. good on on clothes um, as <laughs> well you. so yeah, look, the name was obviously a no-brainer, but how has it morphed into something that, you know, and and what does it stand for? Um, and and who are the type of people that it kind of follow this brand? What kind of person buys your clothing?
0: Yeah, so um, in a, over a few years ago, like we started also using the term like um, the Snake Old Visuals Co. Um, yeah. And that's because I feel like, a lot of our roots they come from, you know, the art side of things, and you know, moving into fashion. And it was more so based around um, the visual, in like just basically our business being around like the visual side, whether it's the actual clothes themselves or the content we produce, uh, or anything we want to do going forward. Like we kind of wanted to be seen as something that, you know, a, a brand that offered like visual stimulation in one way or another. So that's always been like a big thing behind us and a big driving force for us has been the creative behind um, both the graphics and how we choose to promote them, whether it's in campaign shoots, uh, whether it's in like videos or any kind of messaging we put through together. It's always been about the creative side uh, first and foremost and trying to approach things a little bit differently. So that's been a huge like ethos behind the brand is that maintaining that like visual gallery um, contemporary kind of approach. So that's always the number one driving force. And one of our other kind of messages that goes through um, the uh, through the label is um, art-driven streetwear and that's yeah. like – Another one of our big messages as well, like if we could have, you know, one message like, you know, um, you know, it's like Mac or is different good or whatever, whichever like the one thing for us would be like that art driven streetwear because that's like the core of what we are as a brand and what we represent. And um, yeah, that would definitely be, mm. I would say.
2: Yeah, hit the nail on the head, mate. Yeah. Let's- <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: What what was that term you said? Visuals.
0: What was it? What was it yeah, called? Snake Old Visuals Co. Is kind of like yeah. the unofficial name for like how we write things. Like it's um on our right. Uh, yeah, factory. It says Snake Old Visuals Co. On the front yeah. Of I, I've
1: seen yeah. it. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, but can you kind of expand on that? Um, how. Um, that kind of plays into creating content with you know video content and photo content and a lot of your branding and, and just your whole look, how you aim to stimulate your customers uh, visually. Um, so c- yeah, can you kind of expand, expand on that what that looks like?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a, a hard question. It's like um, what do you reckon balls? like I suppose like.
0: For us, um, our approach is probably not too dissimilar from like a lot of creatives. It's, a lot of our concept comes from like roundtable discussion, a lot of research, and mm. and trying to find you know good re- good solid references and stuff. But. Um, yep. Suppose a lot of it comes from like you know Josh and I have guys who have been in the creative industry in one way even before the snake. Or we worked for ad agencies and Brownie worked for I don't know if you know um like Subi and Insight Fifty One. Uh no, like are they
1: other so, brands or?
0: Josh was like yeah. Re- yeah, they 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 were really big in like the early two thousands. They were like skate uh and fashion labels, but right. Josh was like mentored by some of like Australia's best and biggest, like they're eventually essentially like the Virgil Ablos of Australian design. Yeah. So right. um like Josh uh, Josh's has an amazing creative direction and I think a lot of it's probably stemmed from being t- under the tutelage of guys like that.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been a lot of influence there. And, um, yeah, we kind of take that – taking that art-driven kind of approach, Every everything from, you know, whether it's the T-shirt graphic or the, you know, all of our social graphics on our socials or video content, we try and reflect I guess the um the graphics on the on the garments within those avenues. Hmm. So yeah. But I suppose uh, I think a lot of it too is um
0: you know we've seen as you, as you get older too you kind of um I suppose you uh Kind of archive lots of references and graphics, and um, especially if you're that way inclined. Anyway, if like you know, you're a creative person or whatever. You're kind of always taking mental notes, I suppose. And yeah. I feel like a lot of those kind of come up when um, they kind of you, if you're looking at a new, for instance, if we're looking at you know a new campaign. Um, I'm trying to think of one we've done in the past, as to not <laughs> ruin any ones we've. Spoiler alert: Too many we have coming mm. up in the future, but. Um yeah uh what's saying what's the campaign we've done in the past uh, so we did like um I remember last spring we did uh one for our for these um kind of sailor style jackets or like they were like a hooded kind of zip through coat that had a bit of a 90s aesthetic to it but kind of looked like a raincoat and we cool. we ended up creating this um uh, we've got a photography studio in the back we ended up turning it into almost like we've got in this like wooden boat and we put in this like uh, fake water around it and green screened in the background and had like all these different like settings, like the boat was kind of sailing through all these different locations and we kind of yeah. did it in like this fun kind of stage play way. And um, uh, I'm probably not giving the best like rendition of it <laughs> or, uh, over a podcast. It's something you probably need to see visually. <laughs> An idea like that, it doesn't come from just like out of nowhere. It's saying we're like you know we're all in it together, but also like being around and just uh, if you would explain that idea to someone who you know maybe is just hasn't had many years of experience in in the industry or whatever, it's kind of hard to like put it just you know talk it out visually. But when you when you've spent like a lot of time in the industry, you can kind of like visualize things a lot clearer, mm. and then. It gives us the ability to plan and, you know, put things together. And I suppose it's just most of our ideas, they come from just this, like I suppose, archive of uh, references, yeah. and, you know, things that we've seen before. And then the good thing is, too, we've got a really solid team who are able to help execute on those things as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just a lot of, lot of research and a lot of kind of roundtable discussions with mm-hmm. um Between us and our team. Yeah,
2: it's amazing how many good ideas can come out of a 20-minute powwow with the team, you know. Um, That's that's always pretty big for us. We always try and get everyone involved during the creative direction process because, um, you know, more... The more heads the better um, in terms of coming up with ideas and our team's, um, you know, really good um, in that sense and everyone kind of contributes to that, you know, top-level um, creative um, stages and then we kind of filter down the team in terms of like rolling out the assets and, um, and the, the photo shoots and the video and all that kind of thing. And making sure it's yeah. achievable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes your goals are very lofty. Yeah. <laughs> you got to realise that we aren't. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not Nike. We don't have you know millions of dollars of ad spend well, and budgets. We all so. wish. We all wish. Yeah, exactly. We wish. Yeah. Hey, one
1: day, one day though, you know. Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, you never know if uh, it looks like it's going in a good direction. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to cool. me a bit about. Um, but, like, your guys' background in you've mentioned a lot about creativity, but more specifically, like, um, what kind of creative avenues have you guys been a part of before? Have you did you guys study before? Um, you know, maybe in some of your early days,
2: mm, yeah. So, we both did, um, what did we do? We, did, we both were at TAFE and we did, I did an advanced diploma of graphic design, yeah. I did
0: the exact same thing because he was one year ahead and I just like copied whatever he did. So I'm like, what did you study? He's like, I went to TAFE and did an advanced diploma. I really just went and signed up for the exact same thing. So I just remember like uh, – seeing all the like he was because he's a year old i remember seeing all his like the stuff he was doing you know just in photoshop and illustrator i'm like i want to learn how to do that and he goes i just did this course i'm like literally went and signed up for the exact same course no
2: (laughs) way (laughs) oh my goodness uh, that was kind of where we started and then um i moved straight into like a Digital marketing agency, um, and I was designing Pot and Palmer posters for uh, the um, for the for the local um, bars and pubs, and um, it was pretty inspiring work. Um, I met a lot of great people on that job. It was actually a really fun job, but um, no, fun people within the business, but um, the actual work was a little dire. But um, sure. I moved so i moved on from the pot and palmer posters to uh uh working out at, at a surf hardware label um and that was actually yeah. that was that another was really
0: valuable and i followed him there too
2: yeah so, so i worked there for a couple of years and then we needed to get someone on and i was like oh we'll get we'll get Meatballs in so um yeah. Mate, yeah that that was a small pretty small business as well and that was really good for the both of us and it I don't think we really realized at the time, yeah. but it, it taught us, all, uh, both of us, a lot about um, small business, the different aspects of the business and design and all of that kind of thing. And production.
0: Production, yeah. We were. we were, I remember we would have been early 20s, like 21, 22 or mm-hmm. whatever, and we were doing like direct um, spec work and production work for what would have been pretty solid-sized orders to factories offshore. So we were setting up spec sheets for mm. like labeling and placement and, you know, you know, and it was stuff that like you wouldn't, you normally, that would be one person's job along, like that would be their only job like spec work and we were doing it as well with like design, mm. going out, shooting photos, putting these catalogues together to sell the products. Um,
2: yeah, we were doing we product were doing, design yeah. as well. Um, so we were designing like tail pads and board bags and leg ropes. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and then, then doing the clothing and, and the then, merch yeah we hoods, had like jumps a jumps.
2: small clothing range um which we we designed pretty much from start to finish um with
0: almost little thinking of it now there was almost little resistance from anything we wanted to do there as well yeah John was, was always cool with us to do
2: yeah it was um, a really good learning curve that job like even like working in yeah. advertising stuff as well with like magazines and designing ads for mags and stuff like that's the beauty of working in a small business you just you know a lot of small businesses are stretched pretty thin and they need you to kind of expand over a lot of different avenues of the business and it's a great opportunity to work, to learn um you know a lot of roles a lot of different mm. roles and just up skills so um yeah. i think it was really beneficial both of us working there um and then after that i moved on to I uh, worked at Insight, um, which uh, Josh touched on before, um, moved up to Sydney, um, worked as a, I started off as a knitwear designer there. Um, so I was a, a junior designer um, and uh, also graphic designer and artist. So yeah. half of my job there was um, creating graphics for uh, T-shirt placements and also yardage prints and stuff like that and then um, the other half of my role was um, pretty similar to what I was doing at at Barlin um, and that was um, liaising with offshore manufacturers and um, designing um, the knitwear side of things and then I moved into board Mm. shorts and jersey as well. So that was probably where I um, really learned a lot about fashion and um, creating garments and, um, you know, learn a lot from a few different mentors within that role um, that kind of set me up uh, to work with Josh on the snake off. And then, yeah. 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 yeah what about wow. you? I suppose so I finished school when I finished
0: um, tape, So that was like two and a half year course. And um, I got – I was very fortunate. I got um, offered an internship at GPYR, which is um, George Patterson's Young and Rubicon, which is probably Australia's biggest ad agency. And I yep. worked there in the finished art department for a, about a year as part of like a paid internship program. And that was um, really – that was heavily in finished art. So basically, if you ever see like a really finished up – product photo or something like that. It was really, it was basically all around Photoshop and like, you know, if you ever see a, inside a magazine ad where you've got like uh, a really touched up photo saying that's, you know, selling up a product, it was basically around that kind of stuff. So we were working for huge guy. We were doing stuff for um, uh, BMW and like Carlton Draft and like huge, like massive companies. So that was really good. It was really fast paced. Um, and I enjoyed my time there, but unfortunately, like I was one of the first designers in and they lost um, one of their biggest clients at the time, which was um, the Australian Defence Force out of all people. And then yeah, wow. I ended up having to layoff off about 40% of the finished art department. And unfortunately, being the young buck, I was uh, mm. one of the first on the chopping block. <laughs> oh, so tough. I was out. Yeah, I was out, but um, and I was pretty shattered at the time because I thought like I really wanted to work in like amongst an ad agency, but I came back and luckily at mm. that same around that same time, Josh got me the job at Balan. So I'm like, I'll come do come back do that for a while, and yeah. then Josh ended up leaving Balan and going to Insight. So I was kind of just left running the show at Balan for a while. I think I was ended up being there for about two and a half years or something, and then I wanted a taste of uh, ad agency life again. Um, I thought I wanted to be a corporate monkey in the running on the hamster wheel. So I went back into Melbourne and got a job at another creative agency specializing though mainly in like um, product design. Um, but we were yep. I was working in the art department for them. So basically doing same kind of thing, finished art, product photography, and then finding ways to like market the product. And I worked there for about 18 months and every morning I figured out that I wanted, I tell you what, they used to, we used to work in this office and there was... Um, there was this. Uh, it was across the road from this apartment, and then, <laughs> this is when you know you hate your job. <laughs> there was this chick that she was. She would hang laundry up on her balcony, and I remember just going, "Oh man, I wish I was at home hanging laundry up, and not sitting <laughs> in this, this studio." <laughs> um, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the um, people in the studio, but like Josh kind of touched on earlier, I just like the work wasn't inspiring me, but. To be honest with you, I probably worked with one of the most creative, like the most talented people I've ever known in my life. Um, my creative director, Costa, at the time was just like an absolute genius in like his approach and that taught me a lot. And I was mm. lucky to be kind of mentored under him for a while, but I just like couldn't get myself fall in love with the work. And at the time, I was starting to paint and we were really becoming like in love with the, the art scene and the design scene, Josh and I. And um, I just remember saying, I'm just going to like, I just don't want to do this anymore. At least want to try and freelance for a while and um, end up moving into the studio with Josh after that. So, yeah, it would have been about like 24 or 25 and decided that, um move back down and work on the peninsula. And that's basically when the snake hole it's in, it's started in its infancy, at, at least before we kind of started taking it seriously. So it was around that time that, yeah, that was my career. And then I suppose it's been a snake hole and freelance work since then.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's such a, like, it sounds like you guys had like so many great opportunities early on just to really hone in on the skills that you've kind of collated now and developed into, um, yeah, just being able to see the fruits of that in the snake hole with those skills and talents that you guys have developed Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. I
0: think we've both worked with a lot of really talented people, and I think that's been a big part of um, our development, anyway, as designers and as, as humans as well. I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and particularly um, just with your um, like product photography and getting that stuff to market, even working in um, admin is just yeah that, that's like really practical skills and and what like in your marketing agency in the marketing agency that you were uh, or the ad agency that you're working with um it, it wasn't it, like you say you were working with mercedes and and the, and the defense force so it wasn't specifically clothing
0: no no it's nothing to do with clothing yeah. at all no, it was it was uh completely complete opposite but i think like what you do learn is like a lot of the same principles uh, still apply. Um, you know, they're still trying to sell a product. They're still trying to explore creative yeah. concepts and try and find uh, the sticking points within a certain product. And I think that they set you up for how to think, um, if that makes sense, like how yep. to approach a problem. Because um, I suppose the formula remains the same. It's just the input is different, if that makes sense Sure. As well.
1: Sure. And, and for, for listeners out there that, uh, you know, they have a product, they have their, their garment and, and, you know, they think it's something really great. Um, what, what's some advice that you can give on how to take that to market and, and that maybe a bit of that formula that you spoke about how to think about, um, marketing that and, and, and pushing that out to, um, an, an audience, a, a customer base.
2: Mm, yeah I guess like for us um in the early stages we we had like a bit of a fork in the road where we were like man we're spending all this money on models and photographers and things like that and we made the decision just to invest the money that we were spending on that into a camera and a lighting setup and 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 just learn ourselves and do it ourselves and um a lot of the time with a small business you got to wear many hats and um I think just giving yourself the skills, you know, like learning new things, trying to, you know, do a lot yourself in the early stages is key because one thing a lot of small businesses um, doesn't have is money. So, um, but you've got a lot of time. So, um, I think investing in yourself um, yeah. a lot and um, and doing because you, you will have to do a lot yourself. Um, so, in the early days especially before you have any staff um, to lean on, but um, I think that was one of the best things that we did in terms of like yeah um you know really just um getting all of our marketing and our um you know advertising in check
0: yeah absolutely we we uh anything that the business does now Josh or I have done it in the start in the business whether it's stuff that we now completely outsource or stuff that we rely on like our team to do Josh and I have done all of it whether it is. Uh, folding and bagging garments and packing and sending orders through to the, you know, the product photography itself. Um, that's all stuff that Josh and I initially did ourselves from the, at the very beginning. So, um, like, I think it's I think it's really important that anyone who starts a business or runs a clothing label uh, does all that stuff in the beginning despite if they don't like it or they don't think they're good at it. Um, I think you should still learn it as well because then also when you do have someone who can come there and help you, you can set the process. You know what it is? Because if you don't have any idea, they can just come in and run it. You're not going to know if it's a good job or not. Um, yeah. The other thing is I think you touched on like just some – like the other thing is um, I would say is people who start a – you, when you start a label – it's like um, really easy to get like down if you've had like you know maybe you've done a couple drops and it's slow or you're not making many sales the first I think like it's important the first one or two drops are probably going to be your best for a while because um, like your friends are going to jump in and they're going to help you and they're going to you know pick up some of your garments which is awesome and it's really we had that too you know we had a lot of support from our friends in the start but number two is like just don't get discouraged by drop three four five six it's slower and not as big as drop one or two because you had that support because that's where you see a lot of companies they quit after that but i think that if you're consistent and you grind through and you keep putting up content and you kind of do your best to look at the metrics, even if there isn't a lot of them at the time. Like you know, look at those good performing, uh, you know, Instagram posts or which products are selling well, and see how you can redevelop them or reskin them to do well. But don't get like the main thing is like it's it's such a thing. It's like the first drop, everyone's like, oh, that was what I did on the first drop. I can't wait for the second or mm, the third. Mm. It's it is it really it is a big high at the start. And then it'll be a drop off, and then it'll slowly over time. But the main thing is just seriously being consistent and just like committing to releasing something or doing something. Because the other thing is most of the a lot of brands they're not consistent enough Mm. um, with their drops. Mm. They drop something and then nothing comes out for five or six months. And like five or six months in fashion is like you may as well not drop something for two years. Honestly, yeah, Um, that's just the way it is. It's It's an eternity. It's so fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what <laughs> yeah. what's a good amount of time bef- between drops?
2: Well, yeah, we're still... <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a good question. It's so <laughs> an question, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we do quite frequent drops. Yeah. Um, Usually ours are about two weeks apart, sometimes um, one week apart. Um, but we we started off um, doing, you know, like winter and summer, two drops a year, yeah, and um, yeah. and have slowly kind of built up to the point where we, yeah, we're just constantly dropping new garments and, um, yeah. It's it's just a great way to keep um, everything fresh for um, you know our customers and um, exciting I suppose. Mm. Uh, but if you're if yeah.
0: you're if you're if you're a new brand, if you can aim to put something out every six to eight weeks at the start, mm. and you're consistent with that every second month, whether it's just one new t-shirt or whatever, I think that that's like a really good goal and an achievable one too. Mm. Um, I think that that would be like the first bit of advice I would say is like try like if you're doing it every three months, that's not enough. That's just not enough. But I would say like if you can focus on, and obviously if you can do more than once every eight weeks. So I, but like I realize that cash flow can be a thing. You know, like it, it gets a little bit hard. But like I think that if you if you're starting out and you're in your first like ten drops, and you can do something every six to eight weeks, find a way to do that. I reckon that would be like, even if it's not an actual drop, but like a new campaign for the current clothes that you've got, like, you know, okay, well, we didn't move as much, so let's try and find a new way to like put a refreshing look on it. That would be like my advice. But just constantly having something fresh for people to look at would be really important, I would say.
2: Mm. One thing we did, we kind of um, didn't really um, nail at the start was just getting ahead. We found that like for the first few years we were uh, running the label, we were just always chasing our tail trying to um, get ahead in terms of like a timeline for drops. So like, um, you know, if you're starting a label, it would be great before you even launch the brand to like have product ready to go for even like a 10-week period so that you've got your ahead. Um, it's all like in fashion, it's always good to be, you know, at least... I mean, if you can, at least six months ahead. But at the yeah. start, when you only got a few products that you're putting out there, um, just just getting a little bit ahead so that you've got some breathing room and um, you're not chasing your tail because once you fall behind, it's even harder. You've got to kind of yeah. – you know, there's been so many ranges where we've had to design two collections at once just to get back on top of our production and make sure that you know our stock's going to arrive on time or there's going to be no yeah. – room for error or anything like that so um
1: that was a pretty big one for us
2: a big learning curve at the start there's been many yeah
1: Yeah, no, and that was – I really like what you said before about how at the start everyone, everyone, you know, all your friends and family, they all buy your clothing on the first and second drop. But then it kind of it kind of really takes a, a dip before coming up then. But I think that point when it's coming up again, that's when you know your real – who your real customers are and that's 100%. when you're gaining those real customers because they're the people – it's not just supporting you because they like you and those people are going to stick around and, and they're good. But the people that are really going to be loyal to a brand are the people that support the idea and the message that that brand upholds. And that's at that point when it's on the rise again is mm. um, is I think really the point when yes. you see those uh, customers absolutely. coming through again. And, and, the, and places- the other thing is, sorry, you go. I was going to say one of the
2: most exciting Parts of our label, like probably about three or four years in, and we had our warehouse sale. And I remember, like, looking at at meatballs and just and just saying, like, "Do you know anyone here?" Like, we like <laughs> that realization. <laughs> that, like, these are no longer our mates. These are these are like real customers who who like our brand. And that was a really really enlightening yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and that was exciting because it we we could then. Kind of, um, you know, we came to the realization that we were, we were starting a brand that people wanted, and it wasn't no longer you know our friends just trying to support us. So
1: that's cool. yeah, no, that that's such a great feeling. I'm so I'm so glad that you guys have um, uh, reached that point, and that was yeah, you said five years in. I mean, you're beyond that now. So that's like yeah, that's really encouraging. Hey, that's really yeah, encouraging. Right. Yeah, so. But, but, with i I suppose when brands are are wanting to drop every, you know, um, every few weeks, like you're saying, and, and at least more than, you know, once every six months. And even then, you know, creating content around that is essential. You know, it's essential to Mm -hmm. building hype. It's essential to creating awareness around the product that's going to be made available to a, a customer base. So, you know, creating content for that is, is really, really expensive. And, um, I know you, Josh, or Meatballs. (laughs) You you have a you know a bit of history in um, product photography and that, but I think today more than ever, it's going towards particularly in social media, it's going towards video. And and you see statistics like 80% of social media platforms are, are, are just video content now. And I don't know how accurate that is, but it does say something um, that it is getting more and more important to create not only just static but something that's engaging and visual in that way and that tells a story. And that can be expensive. And like you're saying, that the one thing that um, – brands lack more than anything is um money and so you know hiring videographers and and photographers and um these types of people people that do strategy for video it's really really expensive and so i think yeah it's such um great advice to actually get out there and do some of the stuff um, yourself um buy a camera buy some lighting equipment hire out a studio or Create one in your garage, and 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 another thing is, and this is a tip as as a videographer myself. This is a tip that I um, sometimes give some of my clients who want to create ongoing content is actually to crowdsource some video. Give your customers an incentive to buy clothing, and then another incentive to then make a piece of content with that. Whether it's to share your, um, you know, best. Um, weekend fits with you know a, a piece of your clothing on and then to um, that can be entered in a competition and it's providing the incentive that actually that your customers will then be providing that value as well to you. Um, to the rest of the audience, because, you know, if people see, oh, this person is wearing it with this outfit, you know, then it, it, it their mind starts to tick. Okay. What can I wear this? Oh, I have a, a hat like that. And I have, um, some shoes that will go fantastic with that outfit. And then that is just a, a snowball or domino effect from there. And, you know, it just it continues to build. And, and you see this sort of crowdsource video content, um, particularly with brands like um, uh, like Universal or Culture Kings they crowdsource a lot of their content and even the Udi it's not streetwear but you know brands like no, the Udi that yeah. I don't know
2: yeah, I don't know I'm, I'm sure
1: enough people know of it but yeah it's like it's just people showing how the product is used and if it's simply wearing it and it feels good then then that is great and that and and, and see the thing is fashion is all about status. It's about status and, and how people feel and 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 they they're joining a club when they build when they buy some clothes and if they see other people are part of that club, it's not just the brand owners, it's not just the models that they hire, but people that wear it and and create that content. It's just, um, yeah, a fantastic absolutely,
0: thing. Mate. That is very very well put. Everything you just said, then I completely agree. Mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and creating content on top of that takes a long time. And to and to do something like crowdsourcing content is, um, you know, it just enables you to push out a lot more stuff and, yeah, it's just a it's, – yeah, it's it's it has a great way, effect.
0: It's an excellent way yeah. to do it um, for sure. The other thing is like cameras as well, like obviously it would be ideal to have, you know – uh, your own photography studio and you know, uh, an amazing you know, SLR or video, you know, someone to film with. But at the end of the day, like, I like if you've just got it, like, if you're starting out, I guarantee you for most of your content, your iPhone is going to mm. be fine yeah, as you still, begin to build true. your customer. Yeah, it's I seriously like. It's, always, it's I'd see that as more people who are like, oh, I can't get cameras or something. Yeah. I'd see that as more as an excuse than I oh, like. Yeah. yeah. We, like there is so much, there is still so, there is so much accessibility now in creating Semi decent content as like to to high quality content with an iPhone. Whether it's, um, you know, you can clean a lot of the footage up in post, or finding really cool environments to shoot in, or whatever. Like a lot of the time, it's I've never like seen really a campaign where I'm like, oh, thank God that was shot in amazing with an amazing Mm, video. Yeah, it's it's more about (laughs) yeah, like it's more about the environment and the feel you can create. Yeah. Uh, with the clothing than it is about like the Creating hardware. Creating a story of, as well, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think it's, if it's authentic, um, that's the main thing. And um some of the best, you know, engaging content that we've put out yeah. there is like just the rawest, the rawest footage and like 100%. shot on our iPhones or whatever. And I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be high production value. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: No, no way. No, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. It just needs a creative mind behind it, someone that knows their customers and 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 put some thought into um, what the video is going to achieve and that's or a piece of content is going to achieve and that's it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so look, it's, yeah, great to do a lot, um, particularly in the early days when there's not um, a lot of money or it's been invested into um, other things, it's great to do a lot of that yourself, um, particularly for listeners out there. But maybe for some people that are a bit further along, I mean, you guys have got a a few employees now that I understand. Is that correct? Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. So it's me, Josh, and then we have um, Tommy, who's a designer and he runs our warehouse as well. Uh, we've got Sammy who's our longest employee. He's been with us for, is it over three years now?
2: Yeah, it would be. Yeah.
0: So Sammy's been with us for three years now. Um, he's a designer and but handles now really heavily into our content side of things. So he does a lot of our shoots as well as a lot of creative direction. And then we've just put on um, Matt who is, uh, works in wholesale. So that's basically um, trying to build up the wholesale side of the business. So like uh shops and uh getting our stuff into shops and dealing with um those guys essentially like a sales rep really is what his role is going to be so all in all we've got there's five of us and then when we have busy periods and stuff um we'll put some shop staff on or if we run a pop-up we've got some like people that we use that we've used over the years that we call in to run shops and stuff for us but um as for consistent people who are consistently in the studio yeah there's uh there's five of us now so it's good yeah things a lot
1: easier yeah. yeah no i'm sure it does make things easier but what what has been the process to getting um to where you are where you have some employees um and and you've kind of you've done a lot of this stuff just for yourself you've learned how to do these things but you've wanted to take people on that are um better at that than you guys um at specific and uh, very specific skill sets um so look did you guys commission work before this or like what does the process look like leading up to where you've gotten to now
2: in terms of like artwork we do a lot of the a lot of the artwork actual like t-shirt graphics and stuff ourselves but we have worked with freelancers in the past um you know guys like Pat Bragash, um, Brett, Brett Chan, Brenny Ganane, um, to name a few. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of people we've worked with in the past um, with other uh, careers and stuff. We've kind of got them on to um, help out with this. Um, and then, really, like early days, we just in we general. just.
0: What's that? We interned Sammy to start with. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. We, same with Sammy. So we both, started like an intern yeah, program. Yeah, both Sammy and Tommy interned with us before they came yeah. on full time or part-time. And um, we, I mean, early days we, in terms of building the business, we just put every cent back into the business to build it to a place where we could get staff on because we knew that was eventually going to be the next step. Um, there's only so long yeah. that you can do it all yourself for. Um so, um, you know, we didn't take much of an income out of the business early days and, and um, just built it up, saved up, and then, um, and then we kind of um, figured out who we needed the most. We needed um, somebody who could essentially be a utility and work across a few different aspects of the business. Um, yeah. So Sammy was the first hire there um, and he comes from a, a, a cinematography um, filmmaking background. Um, so that's so he helpful, was, yeah. Yeah, he was doing a lot of video content for us in the start and um, obviously um, taking on all the shoots and everything like that. And he's really grown into a more well-rounded um, graphic designer and photographer. Um, he's doing a lot of the graphics um, for the socials um, and also a lot of creative direction um, around Campaigns and um, even with the clothing as well, he's done a few t graphics for us too. Um, so, in terms of building up that st- the staff, we really started with someone who could um, really, you know, do a lot for us, um, and we trained him up and invested a lot of time in training him up in a few different areas. So, um, as, as much as we we needed someone who was specific to content creation, we kind of spread him around the business, kind of like what we did at Barlin and just yeah. like, you know, many different aspects. And now um, we're doing the same with Tommy as well. Um, he yeah. comes from a more design, graphic design background and um, you know, we're kind of doing the opposite. We're teaching him a bit of the photography stuff so he can take some of the load off Sammy.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say in terms of like advice, if you're like on the edge of like, I can't do all this myself now and I've been doing it for a while and I'm drowning, Um The first thing I would say is like, see if you can find someone to intern for you. They'll always be like a hungry, you know, someone who's keen about the industry, even if like, if you're at that point, I'm assuming you have probably got a brand that has a little bit of a following and you're selling some products semi-regularly. So I'm sure if you put like the bat signal out in your store and say, hey, I'm looking for an intern, um, you would get some offers and maybe Mm. it's like, you set something up and you go, okay, so this is what the role is going to be. Maybe it's, you know, over the next uh, six months, you'll do, do, even if you just do a day a week, and that way um, it will just mean you have to be organized and make sure your tasks are prioritized for those da- that day. And it will also mean it is the first few months will be more of a um, uh, a bit of a drainer on your time as you set someone up and you kind of explain how you want the, them to work and how your business functions and stuff like that. It's not like one of those things where oh, I just got someone in now my workload's... Uh, been reduced. It actually is the opposite for a while. Um, as you teach them up, but like anything, yeah, uh, you'll get out what you put in. If it's garbage in, it's garbage out. So if you just sit them in front of a desk and have them doing nothing, um, then you're not going to get any results. But if you invest time into people, you'll always get like a much much better result down the road. And, and we're seeing that with like with our staff now. With Sammy and with Tommy, they're both able to kind of come into work. They know what needs to be done. And they take it and run with it, and um, they both do a really good job. But I would say for anyone who's starting out, see if you can get an intern, um, raise them, you know, pass on some knowledge. Um, it's also really rewarding for yourself as well. Mm. Um, but uh, and if that if that's going well, then maybe you can look at them and go, okay, cool. Let's just put you on a day a week, and maybe you can figure out a figure out a wage for them and then just kind of factor that into your your pricing and everything else you need to pay for. And then if that's going yeah. well, you can one for a second day and a third day. And I would just build them up. I would just build it up over time. Um, if I was just starting out with the first employer, I wouldn't just, you know, unless you were growing like crazy, I certainly wouldn't go and put a bunch of people on full-time. I'd just start with one and just get them going part-time because usually they're going to be young guys are probably at uni or saying anyway that probably have a, a day or two a week anyway so I would start there I would say
1: yeah, no, that's good. Building, building up, I think, is a really important thing in it, in anything you do. And I'm commission, I commission people every out every now and then for you know some work that I need to pass on. But I, I suppose it it goes from you know commissioning to then, like you said, just hiring someone um, a, a few days a week to, um, yeah, right, eventually. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just laying that on very slowly as that that person also builds in their skill set. Um if they're not already if they don't already have um that or yeah, or still developing that um but yeah, no that's really great advice for people that for some listeners that are um looking at hiring people, but just Another thing on that, do you have um, a sort of criteria or something maybe you've not really thought about but even subconsciously um, to do with um, hiring um, people? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The number one thing,
0: and it's not even close. I know exactly what you're
2: going to (laughs) say. It's like
0: passion, (laughs) Yeah, right?
1: Because you can't be taught,
0: right? Uh, Passion and and the ability to be... um, what is it when you just go and do something without being not told? What's that called again? Oh, initiative. initiative, yeah. So passion initiative. Diligence. They had to, yeah, they actually mm-hmm. had this chart I saw a while ago, and um, it was for like what, um, like Seal Team Six, which is like the top of the top Navy Seal guys. And, yeah. they, and they had the chart where it goes, what makes the perfect like person to become a um, go on Seal Team Six, and they had one thing. Uh, that said, um, like the uh, ability to do a task really well, and then they had one thing that was like honesty and like you know integrity and and passion, and almost all of them would rather take someone who had a slightly less ability to can do a task really well, but have, were much higher up in the integrity and like the initiative stage, than someone to yeah. be low in. Um, uh, uh low in in that and because what you end up with is like skills and stuff like that they can be taught mm. like whether you're good at uh InDesign or photoshop or illustrator and stuff that stuff can be taught uh over mm. time but what you can't teach is someone how to turn up have some of their own ideas um you know uh and really be there as a part of the a part of the business and it's like not even yep. close. Like I'd much rather much rather take someone low on the skill side of things, but high on the ability to want to learn rather than the other person who's gonna like maybe get the job done but not really care too much about the outcome. They're like they've got the technical skills, but it's like, you know, you kind of have to push them along and stuff like That's that. That's about so,
1: character. That's about character. Yeah. Now, yeah. What
0: about yeah.
2: You? you? Yeah, I mean both all all of our staff were customers before they were employees so um that was a big plus they knew the brand well and um they knew our aesthetic uh they you know loved the clothing and i think that was a big factor um because that's also something that I mean you can teach it but it's it's one of those things like if they're already in love with the brand then um you know you've already got that passion and that um you know motivation to um to do well so um that was a big one for us um and yeah what Maple said I think it's it's um you know skill sets something that you can teach but, you, you know, um, the guys who work with us have got that drive and that motivation and that's been a big factor.
1: Yeah, and the thing is when hiring people that um, I suppose you already know because you see them in your invoice and their mailing address all the time as well, you, you already know they're, they're the people, like you said, they know the brand and but they're, they're also the type of people that um, – can relate to other customers really well. And that's something that's a human element you need when, um, having employees and things, because if you can't relate in, in, in a really human way, then no one's going to be able to connect with the brand. And, and even on a, on a, just an admin level, when Mm -hmm. taking customer support, when sorting out orders and when creating designs, um, being able to relate to an audience is essential because um, being able to know them and know what their interests and what they like because you know yourself is such um, a a position of power. Absolutely, man. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I just, I just want to say to, to listeners, encourage them, whoever, Mm. you know, you may not be at a point where, Um, you're ready to hire someone because it it does cost a lot even to commission work that does cost a lot but there is a lot and many many things that you can many skills that you can learn at a base level or even find creative ways to get them done creating processes and and you know I, I hire an ice cream to um, fulfill my sweet tooth, or uh, uh, m- fulfill my sweet tooth, or I even hire a sales funnel to save me time and understanding my client and not wasting time on other tasks that aren't important and creating that direction. You can hire other processes that aren't people. Um, you exactly. know, it doesn't yeah, yeah. have to be. Yeah. Um, you know, like pouring out tons and tons of money into mm. someone else's wage because, like, uh, would you say that is? is the biggest expense in your business or, or is there something else? Yeah it, would, yeah,
2: it would be for sure. Apart from obviously yeah.
1: like uh,
0: in terms of like operational costs, like uh, yep. like cost of goods, like being in the garments, the second biggest cost would be um, the way, like wages, superannuation, everything that goes. Yeah, but yeah. people also have the biggest uh, impact. Impact. <laughs> so
2: we couldn't do yeah. it without them. Yeah,
0: we literally couldn't. We'd be like, I guarantee if like uh, something happened with all everyone left. We'd be dead in the water. Mm. I think we'd, we'd. I'm sure we'd find a way to grind through, but it would be a yeah. massive problem.
1: Yeah. 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 So look. It is essential. And, and, and the thing is with jumping to hiring someone when you're not ready is, is like shifting in a manual car from gear four to gear one, you know, there's going to be all sorts of cogs left out on the road and it's, it's going to be a shock to the system. And so working your way out is definitely um, working your way up is definitely a big takeaway I got from today. Um, but yeah, so what's what's next for the snake hole? Just quickly touch on that.
2: Oh. Sure. Um, yeah, we've we've I mean, got a
0: really exciting Yeah. I would say it. our next 9 months is like probably the most exciting to date in terms of um we've got some really exciting drops and campaigns coming through. Yep. Um we've got bigger drops um we're really like our foot is really to the gas at the moment mm. for this next nine yeah. months. We're kind of really going like- on that,
1: that car analogy. Yeah, going <laughs> on with
0: the car analogy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's um, not much fuel economy in the. <laughs> 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 We haven't been on control, that's for sure. We've yeah. been stomping the accelerator pedal down at every light. So the next yeah. five months for us you can expect to see that there's a lot of drops, um, a lot yeah. of really fresh content. But the garments and everything we got coming, I think like it's this is our best work by mm, mile, yeah. I think.
2: Yeah, it's really exciting yeah. and we've we've spent the last twelve months kind of scaling Scaling up the business. Um, and now, you know, that was really challenging um, the last 12 months. And we're starting to like see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, and yeah, um, nice. Um, seeing the fruits of that's, our labor. That's really that's exciting.
0: exciting. Probably touch on really quickly, too, like the investment of your capital. Um, so, it's okay not to see it work immediately. Like I don't know if you like guys like Afterpay, right? They go through um, four, five, six rounds of funding before they turn a profit, right? Yeah. Um, don't be discouraged as well if like you know you have a couple months where you're moving backwards to move forwards. That can happen. Mm. Like you know, for us, it you know came in the form of moving into a you know bigger like moving into this bigger factory and building out photography studio and having a re-rack the yeah. um, uh, floor, you know, put staff on and, you no know, pay off for these other expenses. Um, don't be like – and, you know, other people have different higher or lower expenses than that, but don't be like too threatened by the the bottom line if you can see like – you know, if you can plan things out and see how things – Are you out of here? <laughs> see you, mate. <laughs> um, one of the boys is <laughs> just living.
1: <laughs> um no Yeah,
0: so don't be like – I would say like don't be too discouraged if like you have to take a, a breather sometimes, yep. but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very important uh, to like, you know, have a little bit of stress on yourself too. I feel like, you know, don't feel mm. if you're comfortable, yeah. you're probably in the
1: right place. Mm. Consistency is key, but take a step back because that's what is going to keep up the long-term consistency absolutely yeah. Yeah. so for listeners who want to find out more about the snake hole or even buy some clothing where can they find you
2: uh, You can get us at www.thesnakehole.com and on instagram just the Snakehole, yeah. and facebook as well but <laughs> <Yeah. we're> not <laughs> yeah, really facebook. on that but yeah pretty much instagram and and our web store yeah we are away. we are you're a content guy right
1: yeah, video content um, strategy. Should we be making more stuff on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> Should you be well? Yeah, look, short form. Yeah, look, short form content is the way to go. Short form content is the way to go. It is. Um, fact is, people's um, uh, what do you call it? In oh, A far to stand. out. I, to, thank you. I was going to say engagement no, span. What the heck is engagement span? <laughs> I mean, I'm exactly supposed to be good at this. I'm supposed <laughs> to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So people's attention span is getting shorter and shorter. So short form content is the way to go. Um, and TikTok. Um, it's just another way, it's a great way to share about, um, just linking to what we was talking before crowdsource content. If, if people are sharing outfits, if your customers are sharing outfits, um, Mm. in ways that they're actually putting your clothing, um, into, um, to use and, and, and things like that, that's, that's a fantastic space. You know, people love that you see these videos with millions of views and likes of just people showing their, their fits. Like it's, it's great. It's great. And there's so much more to it, but yeah, not enough time for that today, that's for sure. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, also at the snake hole on TikTok. Okay. At at the snake hole yeah. okay. <laughs> on TikTok. Okay, yeah. great. Well, that'll that'll be something for the future then. Hey. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for yeah, having Well, thank lot. you. Thank you guys so much once again for coming on the show today. Um, really Had a great time chatting with you guys today. I definitely got a lot out of it, and I know there's a lot of value for listeners out there who are looking to hire in the future, and also are not at that stage yet and are just looking to invest their time and money in really healthy and productive ways. So, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today.
0: No worries, mate. I'm glad, yeah, glad to uh, be involved, and yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to a a few more of your podcasts.
1: Yep, sounds great. Thanks, guys. Man, Thanks, Appreciate life. it. Hey, Elijah here. Thanks so much for sticking around and listening to today's podcast. And a big thank you to Josh Meyer and Josh Brown from The Snake Hole. I got a lot out of today's conversation, and I hope you found the value in it as well. Now, about that giveaway... The Snake Hole have been so kind as to providing you guys with the opportunity to win a hoodie from their latest collection. If you'd like to find out more and possibly participate in the competition, make sure you go check out at wink.films on Instagram. There's a post there with all the details of how you can enter. And also be sure to check out at the Snake Hole. Finally, today's practical practice. Now, I need you to get out a pen and some paper for this and you need to write this down. List one point of friction in your business. This could be anything that's causing you to procrastinate, something that's not enjoyable, or just something that you believe that could be done better than it is right now. And then just under that, I want you to write one agent or a process that is going to be the sandpaper to the friction. Something that's gonna help smoothen that out. Now this could be something you could automate. This could be some sort of template you could implement and help you create that thing faster. But maybe it's even hiring someone to do that job for you. If you would like to get in contact with me for any video, marketing content or strategy, be sure to email me at hello at winkfilms.com or visit my website for more information at www.winkfilms.com. I'm really looking forward to working on your next project and also I have a bunch of free resources for streetwear fashion brands up there ready for you to access. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope to see you again next week. Bye now.